Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chick Snowship podcast. Today, my guest and I are going to be talking about taking radical responsibility for your life. So often when I talk to midlife women about, you know, chasing their dreams and, you know, following their desires, I get a lot of, but this, 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 and this, and the kids and the family and yada, 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 yada. So Jen Marples is with us. She is a business and life coach who, after 25 years in public relations, took a massive shift to follow her passion, which is all about supporting midlife women to make an impact in their life, whether it's starting a business, you know, having a voice, starting something new, you know, getting their shit together, like whatever it is. And, you know, both she and I have had experiences with having to take radical responsibility for our life to make the changes. So welcome, Jen. I'm so happy that you're with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So take us through your story because you guys listening, you know, I love a good story and Jen's story is a good one that I think will actually resonate with many of you. So Jen, tell us kind of where your life was, what happened and kind of what led you to make this hard left turn into following your passion. Of course. So thanks for having me again. It's just a delight to be here with a fellow midlife woman living our now dream. But you know, we didn't get here the easy way. So that's why we're both here to tell you <laughs> how to get there. So my story, sort of the long and short of it is, is I've done PR and marketing most of my adult career for 25 years. And I used to own a PR firm in San Francisco called Coa Communications. And we had Fortune 500 clients and it was very high stress. I did a lot of crisis communications. And I like to joke that as my business was expanding, so was my waistline, because in the middle of all that, I popped out three kids. So the business is growing. And then I had my son in 2005, and then I had twin girls in 2007. So we went from one to three. And I like to joke that that's sort of when my life went off the Golden Gate Bridge, when those girls were born, because, you know, I was very much living the go, 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 you know, product of the 80s, more is more is more. You've got to work seven days a week, 12 hour days to get what you want, working, you know, being on boards of charities and running your business and having kids. And it was all great until it wasn't. And I have to say, you know, I look back at the woman I was in my late 30s and early 40s with some compassion because I was only... I was really chugging through when my health was deteriorating, but I didn't have sort of the tools that I have now to, I should have made some big changes back then, but again, nothing's a mistake, right? Everything is supposed to happen to get to where you want, where you are today. And so I remember one afternoon walking into my kitchen in the city and looking out a window and I was like, what if I just punched that window (laughs) and I could just go to the hospital and everybody would leave me alone. And I would have people there to take care of me so I could just have some peace and quiet. Because at that point, you know, my kids were young, had employees, clients, a husband, and all this going on. And I was so overloaded that I thought in my mind, the answer was punching out a window. Mm -hmm. And so I can kind of laugh about it now, but it's a real story. And what stopped me was 
Like they're probably going to put me on that, what is it, the 450, 757, whatever the code is, like a psych hold, and my children (laughs) would probably get taken away from me. So I'm like, that's probably not the answer. But that didn't actually get me to stop and slow down. And when I look back on that time, you know, I had cracked through four crowns because I was grinding my teeth in my sleep. I would wake up with my hands clenched. I'd have to, you know, open them up. It was like, it was the weirdest thing. I would wake up with just with fists and I was losing feeling in my fingers and toes. And I remember one night I was sitting at my desk late. It was almost midnight. Uh, One of my sort of key people on my team had left and I was just dealing with, you know, small business problems, like do I staff up or whatnot? My husband's coming in, he's like, you have to be done. I'm like, I can't be done. This work has to be done. Like I'm the business owner, I've got to do it. But meanwhile, I was having heart palpitations, like arrhythmia or something. I just felt like an irregular heartbeat. So what did I do? It wasn't yin yoga. I put myself into a boot camp. So I was running in Golden Gate Park four days a week carrying eight pound medicine balls because that's what you do when you're really burned out and stressed. You you go carry medicine balls. Uh, throughout Golden Gate Park. So fast forward, when my son was in kindergarten, starting kindergarten, we left the city and we just moved north just to take a little bit of that pressure off. But I still had my business and I was still chugging through. And then it got to a point where my husband literally looked me in the eye and he said, you've got to stop. Because what was happening was my clients and the exterior world was getting the best of me, but my inside world, my kids, my husband were getting the worst of me. And I had to go through fertility to get my kids and I had miscarriages, years of trauma and drama trying to get pregnant. And it breaks my heart thinking about it now that I'd be yelling and screaming at everyone to go to bed because I had five more hours worth of work to do. And there was zero perspective. And my husband was like, God bless him. We've been together 24 years, I guess 25, married 24. He's like, you've got to stop. Something has to change. And I knew something had to change. So that's really when I kind of woke up and I was about 45 at this point. And this is kind of when I had my midlife crisis. So I let sort of my clients go. I didn't renew contracts, started winding down the business. And then there I was, this woman who was like, but this is what I always did. I did crisis communications. I've got these big clients. I tell CEOs what to do. It was like a huge ego mental breakdown of like, well, what the hell, who am I now? I make good money. I employed people. I'm like, I'm this, I'm that. I don't know how to stay at home mom. Who am I? So I kind of just fell apart. But at that point, I was actually, it was, I don't know if you've ever had your birth chart done, but I was speaking with this astrologer and she was like telling me my life. And I was very scared. She's like, you don't, you don't need to get your health checked out because I had almost zero iron stores. I was in severe adrenal fatigue. My thyroid was off and I was just pushing through thinking this is normal working mom stuff. You know, it's, I meant to sit up and see stars. Isn't that normal? I mean, it wasn't. So I started to put my health back together as i was also bringing in this team i needed a therapist i had a naturopath i was doing yoga retreats just trying to put humpty back together but i was so fried at this point in time that even if i went out to lunch i'd need to have a three-hour nap so and i bring you know this is it's a good story to say because all of us women are sort of told we can do it all and push 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 and we don't wake up until our body is screaming and you can't you just literally can't get up and you can't function And so, you know, I kind of laugh that I'm just a recovering type A control, all of this, but I think it's very much a product of how we grew up. Like Mm -hmm. you can do it all and why not? You can all be fabulous until it's not fabulous until you can't get out of bed on a Saturday morning because you are fried. Yeah. And so 
It was a good two-year process. And I remember my therapist had said, she's like, if you don't really get your shit together now, your whole menopause, this perimenopause, menopause experience is going to be horrible because my I wasn't taking care of myself. And she's like, and you've got to sit in that discomfort to allow the healing to happen and to allow new things to come in. Mm-hmm. And so that process, because I was so go, 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 it took almost two years. And then yeah. one day out of the blue, I kind of woke up and I was like, oh, I'm going to take coaching training. That seems like the right thing to do. And then that led me into yoga teacher training, which I don't teach yoga, but yoga is my love and passion and it keeps everybody in my house alive. If I don't do yoga, somebody actually might die in my house, probably my husband first. (laughs) And then that led me into starting women's events and kind of doing what I'm doing now. Right. So that was a lot. So I'll take a pause there. But I do know, and this is why I do what I do, because I don't want any other woman to suffer and think that she can't make a change. And, you know, a lot of women I work with now, they're like, it's so hard to change. And I I want the change overnight. And it's a lot of work and reflection, as you know, and it's, you've just got to take these steps. You've got to take one little step leads to another little step leads to another little step. And then one day you're kind of figuring things out of where you want to go. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but like the way my life happened and the set of circumstances that literally like brought me to a halt long enough for me to be able to find the space to sit in this discomfort. Had those things not happened to me, I'm not sure that I would have ever made the decision to like stop everything because the whole idea of like stopping everything and making a big change for me felt so overwhelming. And so like, I was so afraid of it, of letting go that I was like, I would have just kept on keeping on (laughs) until like my head fell off, which almost it did. (laughs) Right. But, and I so understand that because we're so clinging on to who we think we are and what we think we need to be right? Like that, the idea of letting go of that is like, well, what am I just going to do nothing? Like, But really, that's kind of what we need to do when we reach that point, right? A hundred percent, because if we don't sit in quiet mm-hmm. and silence, and this is what I counsel with a lot of women, because you just think you're going to, one day you're going to make a change and you're going to maybe take out a journal and, you know, Jesus himself is going to come down and it's going to be like, whoa, this is what you're meant to do. And it's not like that. It doesn't happen that way. If only. If only, you know, sign us up for that program where Jesus comes in and tells us what we're meant to do. But it's, you know, we're just taught, you know, we're going, going, going. And I think women too, we're taking care of everybody. And then it's Monday, Friday, Monday, Friday. And we're like, what happened? Like what happened to the week? You're just kind of going and you're saying yes to everything. And no one's actually sitting and thinking, is this making me happy? Do I like my life? Do I like doing all this stuff? Yeah. So it's really just taking that, it's a dramatic pause. And, you know, I did a very dramatic pause because it was kind of in a crisis. But what I always tell women, it's like, you can just start with 10 minutes a day. Just start with 10 minutes, go on a walk, but be empty. Like have, don't listen to anything. Don't be with anyone and just start being okay with your thoughts. And I know that can be a scary place because it's when I was in my sort of the dark, the the two-year thing. And I will say not everyone has the luxury of doing that. And we had sold our place in the city. So we had made the conscious decision because I did make really good money and we live in a place. I've got three kids. So it was, there was a lot of financial pressure. So I was able to do that. But I also don't want anyone to get to the place where you and I both were like, almost institutionalized because there was nothing left. We, we don't, that is our key message. Let's not get to that place. There is a much easier way. A better way. So it's just starting to listen and taking some of those steps. And it could be like reading a new book, listening to a new podcast, just going to a lecture, 
but no. just starting to think about some different things because we don't want to end up that way. But I guess maybe, you know, you had to go through your thing. I had to go through my thing so we could be here preaching yeah. and like and helping women because I know I'm meant to serve because I don't want women to suffer. And I also want women to know, of course, because my whole tagline on my podcast is you're not too fucking old that once we hit midlife, I think we're just getting started. Yeah. I don't think we're ending. I think we're just getting started. Absolutely. Amen to that. Like this is a whole new chapter. And here's the other part, right? I will say we are not meant to be the same person we were from the beginning to the end of our lives. And when we reach this chapter of midlife, like this is about really stepping into the truest version of who we are, like our most authentic self, because that's where our gifts lie right? Like that's how we serve the world best is like by being exactly who we are. And so in order to get to that point, I honestly believe the crisis or the lack of crisis is as big as it needs to be to get your attention, to redirect you to, oh, wait, there's some shit here that is just not working for me and I need to change something. And for me, like I was, you know, like you, the type A, very driven, I needed the brick in the head, <laughs> like to get me to this point where I'm like, oh, I need to stop and now I can choose a different path. But like I said, like, I don't know, honestly, maybe I would have eventually come to the point where I was like, hmm, I maybe need to make a change, but I don't know. I don't know if I would have picked it on my own. Yeah. And this is the thing, right? Like, you know, if you're starting to have those little nudges, if the that voice is talking to you, you don't have to wait till you get to crisis until your body's physically falling apart for you to start paying attention to that thing. Right? hundred percent. And it reminded me of something, I was just listening, I think to a podcast and somebody was saying, you know, not everyone's gonna hit like a super rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And there's almost beauty in a rock bottom because it really, you're like, there's nothing left. Like I can't get out of bed. So something has to change. But I think the scary thing is, is when, I think kind of what you're saying is, when everything's kind of going along and it's not so bad, it's not great, but it's not so bad. And you get into that mindset that, oh, I should, be happy. I should be lucky and so thankful that I have this life that women, a lot of women don't think that they can ask for more. And you know, so this, it keeps us in that spot. This is so true because I literally would be like, I was like, I'd look around my life and I'd be like, other people would be grateful to have what you have. Right. So what's wrong with me that I can't be grateful for that? Me, me, you know, not thinking that like, I can be grateful for what I've had in this experience, but also still want something else. And that's okay. Right. Like one does not necessarily exclude the other. Exactly. So, yeah, I think women, we've just been sold a bill of goods. There's a lot of bill of goods we've been sold. <laughs> That's sort of one of them. <laughs> and there's that guilt of, you know, talking to a lot of women, thinking if I go out and I want to do something on my own, that's somehow selfish or that's somehow taking away from kids or family life or whatever that is. It's like women can't win, right? I mean, the whole society's out there saying they're going to judge you some way. And I actually just gave a talk the other night. It's like, we're always going to be to this, to that. So you might as well just be yourself and go for whatever you want and do not care what people think. And I think that's the freeing, the most freeing thing we can embrace at midlife is not caring what anybody thinks and just having that courage to take a step, whatever step that is. Yeah, 100%. So talk to me a little bit about taking radical responsibility because so often, you know, we, there are a million reasons why we can't do the thing that we need to do. Like, I mean, if you want to come up with reasons, you can come up with 50 of them for why you shouldn't do the thing that you're feeling called to do. And, you know, it's, and usually it's because of something outside of herself. Oh, my husband needs me. Oh, my kids need me. Oh, my parents need me or whatever it is. I don't have time. So how do we get to that shift of like, okay, I am solely responsible 
for this. I mean, you and I both had to do that. Like I reached that point where I was like, okay, this is up to me. Like nobody's coming to rescue me as much as I wish they would. Right. Like if I'm going to, I need to show up differently in my own life if I want something different. 100%. And it's, I actually just did a podcast on this and it's, it's a little bit of tough love because, and it's interesting about taking responsibility because I'll use myself as an example. I did for a really long time until I was so broken down and depleted that I was blaming the world for my problems. My husband wasn't the right husband. I wasn't in the right house. I didn't live in the right town. I didn't have the right friends. I didn't have the right job. Nothing was, I was looking all externally because I was poor woman back there. She was broken, but she built herself back up. But the thing is, and it's really interesting, and thank God my husband is who he is, because I almost completely, to be honest, blew up my marriage because of how unhappy I was. And I realized I was looking externally, and a lot of us do this, I was looking to my husband to fulfill me in the way like he was the one that was wrong and it wasn't me. And so I remember I looked at him going, well, I'm not, I wasn't realizing my full potential, but it was his fault. And so that's what a lot of us do. It's like, it's where we are. It's where we live. It's our friends or this, that, and the other. And that was my own personal experience. And it was, it was a dark time in our marriage. And I look back and we went through therapy and all of that. And I look back and it's like, it has nothing to do with him. It has nothing to do with anybody. But about this radical responsibility it only came to me because I have a lot of, I'm in conversation with a lot of women and you hear a lot of trigger warning. They're just excuses because I'm a big believer is if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, then you can't. It's really that simple. And we are in charge of about 90. There's some statistics out there. We're in charge of 90% of our lives. 10% is maybe stuff that can happen to us, but we're still in complete control on how we react to that. So if you are in a bad marriage, if you hate your job, if you have a friend who's draining you, I mean, you name it, even a bad relationship with a child, it's up to us to fix it. It's in us. You don't like the marriage, you know, get therapy or yes. get out. It's 100% on us, but there's also really good news in there. And it's that it's 100% on us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one else needs to do the work, but yeah. it is really scary because it's comforting to be in the bitchy, bitchy. Oh, I, this is wrong. That's wrong. No. And I was there guys. And I, I told a funny anecdote on my podcast. I said, I was at a friend's house and apparently I didn't even know I was doing it. I was so like the, you know, the sky's black, the world is crashing. I don't have what I want. My life sucks. The husband told my husband, I can't actually have you guys back because I can't have your wife here at her house anymore. I thought that was very harsh. And maybe my husband shouldn't have told me that because I think I cried myself to sleep. But it was a wake up call. It made me reflect. I'm like, how am I showing up right now? And that's when I was in the midst of putting myself back together. But if when you, you guys listening, it's if you're making excuses for and it can go for anything like, oh, I can't lose weight or I don't have the friends I want or I don't have the house I want. I don't love my job. Any, it's all within us. Yeah. And I always say, whatever is happening outside of you is happening inside of you, right? And so the only way you can change the outside is by changing the inside. So you have to go in. And this is like, you know, sometimes taking responsibility for our lives is can be really hard, right? Because we have a tendency to like want to beat ourselves up or I'm so stupid or whatever, but like to say, oh, hey, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, I got this way because I'm a people pleaser and like really admitting those things about ourselves that maybe we don't want to see. But like, I think you talked about this earlier, if we can get into the discomfort of it and sit in the discomfort of it long enough, it's so freeing because on the other side of it, is the thing that you want. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Yes. And I will say too, that it is, you know, it can be overwhelming. It can be scary. And I'm a big proponent of getting help. Yeah. So oh, yeah. a lot of women get to midlife and a lot of stuff comes up. And I mean, I've been doing work on myself for like 20, 25 years, but I know people who have never been to therapy, who've never sought out help. And it's like, it's the best money you'll ever spend. Because if there is something that's still in the past that's dragging you down, then get to a therapist. I kind of joke, like see a doctor and get rid of it. Like yeah. just go unpack it finally. And it's, it's scary to walk into it because there's God knows what that we all have stuff that has happened in the past. You like but open just, that box, like what's going to come out, right? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, but you got to get rid of it because it's not going to go away. Yeah. It's not going to go away. So it's really about choosing you and knowing that you kind of have to walk through those flames, so to speak, to get to the other side, but just going out there and getting the help if you need it. I mean, it's, or even if it's not therapy or if it's just a new friend or just having conversations with them and holding yourself accountable because you both want to be making some changes. It doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be lonely, but we do have to know that we are responsible for making those changes. Yeah. I remember so clearly, in fact, I was at a conference in San Francisco and I remember going to my room at the end of the day. And at this point, I was still kind of in my burnout. Like I Okay. This is what happened to me. I was like, I'm going to take two months off and I'm going to get a healing plan. And this is what it's going to look like. And I'm going to check all the boxes. And two months from now, I'm going to be all better and everything's going to go away. Well, yeah, everybody knows if you've ever tried to hear burnout or adrenal fatigue, any of that kind of stuff, it doesn't happen in two months. It doesn't happen in six months. It takes, a, it's a process, right? And I remember being back at work and I was at a conference in San Francisco and I went back to my room at the end of the day and I was like, okay, this is not sustainable. I cannot keep doing this. And I said to myself, okay, something's got to change and it's got to be me. And that very minute I went to my computer and there had been this coach that I was following that I was really resonating with. And I signed up and paid for six months of coaching with her. And I remember seeing that going, holy shit, what have I done? Like, oh my God, like, can I do this? right? Turned out to be the best thing I have ever done. Like the absolute best thing, but it was the first time I'd really had a coach and yeah, it's hard to kind of get over that hump and like to put yourself out there. Cause it's a level of vulnerability as well, right? Like I wasn't quite ready to go there yet. I wasn't ready to unpack, you know, Pandora's box. But again, it's like, when you have that support, when you have somebody who's holding your hand and helping you see what you can't see, that's the other part, right? Like having somebody reflect back to you the parts of your life that you cannot see, oh my God, is gold. Like, you know, it's absolute gold. <laughs> it's such gold. And you bring up an important point. And I know you see this all the time too. Women have a hard time investing in themselves. Yes. So you'll buy a handbag, you'll do all the things, the clinics for the kids and the coaching and the training for the kids for whatever. But when it comes to yourself, and I've been there too, it's like, oh, could I spend that money on me? Like, you'll get a website going, you'll do this and that. But when it comes to, like, say, working with a therapist to unpack something from the past or working with a coach to kind of help build that future, it seems very, what's the word? It's not like self-involved, but it just seems so, like, I want to say like fancy, but it just seems like so out of reach. Like, why would I spend money on myself to make myself better? It's a weird reality that women find themselves in. I think we've all probably been there, but like you, same thing. When I decided I was going all in and really truly walking away from, from PR and going all into what I'm doing now, I hired a coach too. Same thing. I just signed up. I plunked down the cash. I'm, I'm showing up. And it was, that was the best investment. And I still work yeah. with Jen, my coach to this day, because we all need our own sort of 
we need a cheerleader. We need someone who's just invested in us. Yeah. Because we are so invested in everybody else and taking care of everyone else that women need their own champion. They need yeah. their own cheerleader and someone's going to help them get from A to B. And somebody who will lovingly call you on your shit. <laughs> That's the other part, right? Like, is that somebody will say, I see a pattern here. This is, you know, and that you can be like, oh my God, I did not know I was doing that, right? Like there's, again, so much value in having that person as a mirror reflecting back to you the good and maybe the not so good, right? Or not, I shouldn't say not so good. The stuff that maybe isn't working in your favor. Yeah, there's calling you on your shit. I yeah. mean, my coach did the same thing. So I talked about a podcast for two years. And then she was like, all right, it's literally time to shit or get off the pot. <laughs> like, okay. And then once we had that conversation, I launched a podcast, I think within six weeks, it was this monumental amount of work. And it was so amazing. Like what took me so long? But that's why we need support. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that's a really important thing because radical responsibility does not mean because we women are so apt to do this, taking it on myself, doing it all myself, not asking for help. Radical responsibility means, you know, being able to ask for help, right? And I think, yes. Yeah. And I think for women, when you're wanting to make change and or if you already are like started something new, to surround yourself with other women who are on that same mm -hmm. path as you is so yeah. important because what everyone finds out, I found out, you probably found out, everyone I talk to finds out, people close to you don't want you to change. No. Most of them don't. The way you are, yes. Yeah, and it's it's uncomfortable. And what happens? And I, I I I'm on a mission to change this. A lot of times, when a, a woman sees another woman rise, it feels threatening. And so I'm always challenging that. Does it feel threatening because it's shining a light back on you because you're not actually doing what you want to be doing? Mm -hmm. So it's just shifting that mindset of going, oh wow, look at her. If she can do it, I can do it. And so I bang that drum all the time. It's like yeah. if I can do it, you can do it. But surrounding yourself with a great group of women. I was just speaking at an event the other night and these women are a little younger, like 20s, 30s. And I said, we've got to just go all in on supporting each other. And if you don't have that support that you need, then you've got to find the right like networking groups, the right create your own little mastermind group with some other friends or other just people you see that are doing some of the same things you are, because you're going to be doing this together. And it's such a great, it's probably the, one of the most important things that you can do. I am such a proponent of having community. Like I honestly, I know I would not be where I am on my journey today had I not surrounded myself with like-minded women, because, you know, there are going to be days that you struggle, right? There's going to be days that you don't believe in yourself, your business, your idea, like whatever it is. And sometimes you just need somebody to hold your belief for a minute until you can pick yourself back up and say, okay, I'm back on track right? Because like, it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows and the path is not linear. Like you will have ups, downs, sideways, you'll be knocked all over the place. And having that group to hold you down, right? So that you don't give up is so incredibly powerful. Like, do you know how many times along my own journey? I'm like, okay, that's it. I quit. That's it. I'm done. I'm going to go get a corporate job and I'm going to be all like happy. And then I, you know, I go, okay, well go do it. And then I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. And so I get back on the horse, right? But like, again, having that, and like, I belong to masterminds, I run masterminds for women in, you know, who are reinventing their lives and chasing their dreams, right? Because I am such a believer in like, we were not, we're pack animals, we're not meant to do stuff on our own. And again, somewhere in the bill of goods, it was like, women must be all things to everyone. And you must do it all by yourself. <laughs> yeah. And that's a crock poo because we're not. Right. And you had said something of, 
you know, someday you wake up. I just did a post about this. It was funny because I was just joking with a friend because she was like, some days I'm like, yay, like all in. And other days I'm like, I don't want to get out of bed. I said, yeah, it's kind of like some days you feel like you're Beyonce. You're like, I got this. It's so awesome. Like you've got these power days. You're vibrating high. You're like helping women. I'm doing this and that and the other. And the other day you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, who are you? Yeah. So we all go, you know, and then you throw in sort of the perimenopause and menopause, and you've got this kind of emotional, hormonal wave that you're riding that those days I'll sometimes ping my coach and be like, can you just tell me how awesome I am? Because <laughs> I'm having a day. <laughs> no, and that's exactly it, right? Like, or, you know, like, I mean, in my own mastermind group, I'm like, you know, the days that you're like, I do not have it today. Everything sucks. I can't do this thing. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then they reflect back to you. It's like, yeah, but you're a badass and look how far you've come. And then you're like, oh, okay. All right. I can keep going. Right. And maybe you're not going at lightning speed that day. Maybe your, your steps are tiny steps instead of large leaps that particular day. But like, you have to honor that process. Like some days are going to be awesome. And some days are not going to be awesome, but know that what you have the power to create whatever it is that you want, regardless of the bad days. And that's the thing we have to keep in our, in the forefront, right? Like that, that self-belief and that self-trust, right? Yeah. And you bring up a good point too, because at midlife, and I'm always telling this to clients and to the women I'm just in conversation with is that, you know, not everything, I mean, midlife is chock full of stuff. Like there's teens, there's actually kids of all ages, there's aging parents, I mean, in my community here, I mean, I just went to Memorial for my neighbor's husband passed away. He was 44. He had a widow maker heart attack. That was in the middle of COVID. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to another Memorial tomorrow for a 16 year old who passed away. So this is the second Memorial we'll go to. So this is life. So mm -hmm. you're out there living your life, trying to run a business, run your home, do all these things. And we kind of always expect it's going to be this even keel. But the most important thing is to have tools that you can fall back on because, you know, when we had these two deaths happen, I mean, I couldn't work for a few days when the heart attack happened. And then certainly when the six-year-old died, my, our families, our friends, and that just threw me off. And so mm -hmm. I said, you know, Jen, you're just going to go dark for a while. The world's not going to end. The old me would have been like, oh, I've got to show up for work and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I said, I need radical self-care and I need to circle the wagons. My family's hurting. I'm hurting. We're all hurting. It's all going to be there, but I think we think, and I think it's just, I think society has also kind of said that we have to go at this warp speed to be successful and do whatever we want. And it's, it's really not that if you take two weeks off, nothing's happening. Yeah. Nothing's going to fall in the toilet because I'm, I'm not a heart surgeon. You're not a heart surgeon. So, I mean, we have to bring it back to reality and also honor ourselves and take that time and ride these waves. There's a lot of waves at midlife because yeah. there are. So just honor that and know that everything's going to be fine and just take the pressure off yourself because we pile so much on as women, I think, okay, well, I'm grieving, but I, have to, I also have to show up and then I also have to do this and then I've got to do that. It's like, just chill out. But again, it goes back to the, you've got to be crashing and burning before you actually take a hot minute for yourself. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting as you're talking, you know, I'm recognizing as you're speaking, like times in my life where, you know, things were happening, like, you know, when I went through my divorce and I was working, I did not tell a single solitary soul in my office what was happening because I didn't want them to see me as emotional. I didn't want them to think that I couldn't do my job, that I wasn't like strong. Meanwhile, on the inside, I was like crumbling, like, but it was like, mm, you know, and to the point where, you know, <laughs> One day I was leaving with the president of the company in the elevator. It's like 730 at night. And he looks at me and he says something. And I 
burst into tears. Like I just like started sobbing in front of this man. Well, I'm like, oh my God. And I'm thinking to myself, like, oh my God, what are you doing? Like, this is career ending. And the man was so sweet. Like he, you know, he was like, you know, he just, you know, had Kleenex in his bag and everything. I'm like, man, he's prepared. But, you know, and we ended up having a great conversation and I told him what was going on. And he's like, okay, well, let's rally the troops. Let's figure out how to do the thing. And I'm like, it was in that moment that I was like, holy shit, look at me. I'm trying to hold it all together because I'm like, the world needs me. I got to be the perfect, you know, employee and, you know, my kids got to be perfect and everything. Meanwhile, like a huge chunk of my life was falling apart. And in that moment was where I was like, okay, I am so not doing myself any favors here. Like I need to come clean and say, Hey, here's, here's what I'm going through and honor that. Right. And then, I mean, I was at a party and this one friend of mine came up to me and she said, you make divorce look so easy. And then I was like, oh, that's such a big fat lie. Cause on the outside, looks like I've got it all in a nice little neat little package with a bow on the top. And inside I'm a mess, but I was not letting anybody see it again, because I, you know, I didn't want, oh, you know, the weak emotional woman. And it's such bullshit. Like, I don't know where we pick this up, but it's time for us all to like, let go of it. <laughs> right. We have to. Yes. And you bring up a good point. I was actually thinking it because you're a strong woman. I'm a strong woman. And it reminded me of that adage that or that quote that's out there. It's like, remember to check on your strong friends. Yeah. Because we're going to show up. Your hair is, you're going to look great. You're going to go to work. Meanwhile, you're dying inside. And I've been there too. And as a woman who's perceived as strong and you're like, I'm out there and I help people. So yeah, it's hard to be the one who's vulnerable and going through something. And it reminded me of a story when I was just, you know, when this, this child passed to when I, I showed up to yoga and I was crying on the way there and then I was just crying <laughs> through the class and I just was laying on my mat at the end crying and somebody came over and, and I was like, I have to let this other woman help me mm-hmm. because I'm not okay. Like I am not okay right now. But if I was to power through, then they're like, oh, Jen, she can just, she can do everything. She's so, and that's just a, like you say, it's a big old fat lie. Cause no one's, no, 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 there's no such thing as a superwoman or a superman or anything like that. So I, we need to do the more of the Brene Brown, like the, 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 the authenticity just, and we can lead. I think it makes us more sort of powerful because we're all in this life together. We're all having these experiences. All of us but, are. Yeah. And this whole thing that like, we have to be completely unemotional at all times and like have everything, you know, all made pretty. It's again, it's such a lie and it's such a disservice to us. And I know like a huge part of my own burnout was for me, like stuffing down stuff, right? Like not dealing with stuff, like, you know, going through my divorce, like all of that. I was just like, oh, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it. Until then my body was like, uh, no, there's no more room in here, <laughs> right? You got to make some space. And then like, I ended up going to a meditation class and basically sitting on the mat and sobbing for 90 minutes because I, there was literally no space left. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We have, I just hope for all of us, (laughs) that's like a takeaway, everyone listening. It's just don't wait and feel your feelings and don't stuff them down. I remember I went, um, when I was going through sort of my, my breakdown, if you will, I showed up because my, my therapist had said, you should try EMDR therapy. So I guess it's, it's not, it's more of like a it's not talk therapy. It's more of a, I can't think of, I can't explain it exactly, but just to help me get through some stuff from my past. And, but I had to go see a psychiatrist and then that, that person needed to then refer me to someone. So long story short, I show up and I'm dressed up like I am now. Cause it was my coping mechanism. If everything's falling apart, what I can control is my appearance. And what was really dangerous is this doctor said to me, she's like, well, you don't look like you need help. <gasps> 
And I said, I'm telling you, this whole big old mess, it was so dangerous. And I actually did a podcast episode on this because like shame on her. Thankfully, I could advocate for myself enough to know that that was bullshit. And then I went to see a different doctor. But that was so dangerous because how many, just like you're saying, there's so many of us that are strong. We present really great. And then there's stuff happening underneath. So I just, is a cautionary tale for women. Like we have to advocate for ourselves and get the help that we need. And don't let anybody say that you don't look like you need help. Unbelievable. Oh, that's incredible. Because I think like, you know, when we talk about like taking responsibility for your life, it's taking responsibility for all parts of it. Like yourself included, your emotions, right? Like the things that have happened to you in your past, like your childhood programming, like as well as the great stuff, right? Like all of the beautiful skills and knowledge and experience and wisdom you have, right? Like it's all who you are and it's all what makes you perfect and unique. And like, you know, just like you and I sharing our stories here, like we would not be here having this conversation had we not had the stories that we've had and unpacked the crap that we've unpacked, right? And like taking responsibility for all of it and honoring ourselves in the process of it, like you just said, is it's, it's so important. It's necessary, right? It's so necessary. Whatever you just said, just made me think of a lot of what, or a big thing that women deal with too, is feeling like they're not enough. And so this especially happens if women have had big corporate jobs and things like that. And like, oh, I'm just a mom yeah, or I'm just something and making decisions based more on what other people are, these yeah. other perceived people, these people that really aren't thinking about you at all, by the way, no one's thinking about you. I know, but right? Making decisions based on what people are going to think. And so that's making decisions sort of based on your ego of like that whole perception versus really following your heart and your soul. Yeah. And going towards what brings you joy, because I think if we did, and we were, none of us were taught that. They don't teach this in college. I mean, maybe they should do it now, but to really listen to yourself instead of like ticking those boxes of what like success is, and then you get to some place and then you're like, I, well, I'm not exactly happy. I've reached Mount Olympus in quotes, but um, I'm miserable because I'm actually not doing what I want to be doing and I wasn't listening to myself. So it's just honoring where you are. You have nothing to prove to anyone and you're worthy just as you are. You don't need to do another goddamn thing to be worthy of love and to be worthy just to be here and to be a strong woman and be happy in that and feel confident in that. Yeah, that was so well put because I think there's a lot of us that struggle with the not enoughness. I mean, we we live in a society where it's hard to be enough as a woman right? Like we're constantly compared to other women. We're pitted against other women. You know, how do our bodies look? How do our faces look? God forbid you should have a wrinkle or a gray hair in there. Right. And so, yeah, we take that on like subconsciously, we're just digesting all of that and feeling like we don't measure up. So I love what you just said. It's like, no matter who we are or what we do, we are born enough and we are enough and we will be enough till the day we die. Yeah. 100% louder for everyone in the back because it's just the damn truth. Yeah. And we have, you know, we have a long way to go. Society, I mean, it wasn't, we didn't build it. It was, I can go on my rant about the white man in Madison Avenue who like built the world that we're supposed to all conform to. But I'm telling you at midlife, I think one of the most freeing things is not giving a shit what anybody thinks and truly stepping into your power and doing what you want to do and just doing what you want to do. I think it's actually going to be revolutionary if all of us at midlife, and it doesn't mean you, you're working. It's like you could be salsa dancing. You could take horseback, rec, you know, horseback riding lessons at like 55. It's whatever it is. Do you, because guess what? No one else cares what you're doing. 
You think yeah. that they are, they don't, they're thinking about their own lives. So it's really, it's like the one of the biggest pieces of advice I could give people is just don't care what people think, do what you wanna do, and then also say no to everything that doesn't bring you joy and lift you up and take you towards a goal and only say yes to things yeah. that bring you joy and move you towards your goals. Because again, women, sure, I'll go to that dinner party, yeah, I'll have the lunch, and then you're kind of like, ugh, I really don't like those people, <laughs> I really don't wanna do that thing. Get rid of it. Yeah, 100%. That is literally my mission in life is to empower midlife women to step into their power, right? And like have this like army, this like sea of women, all just like being exactly who they are and doing what they love. And the power in that like literally shifts the world. It, it changes the world. It changes the way the world sees midlife women, that it's not about like, you know, you hit 50 and it's the beginning of the end. It's no, you hit 50 and there's a whole other freaking chapter that you get to choose. You get to decide who you are and what you want to do in that chapter. Yeah. And we're just getting started. And, you know, I look at my mom who's 76 and she's still in real estate. She was a partner in a real estate firm. She left that one and she's, she could, you know, she doesn't have to work. My dad's retired, but she's like, I'm going to run the new office. And I actually had her on my podcast. It was really, it was really fun. We should all interview our mothers. It's fascinating. Of course we cried. But what was really interesting is that, you know, everyone she works with thinks she's ageless. People don't even know how old she is. Mm -hmm. because she's so young at heart, mm -hmm. loves what she does. I mean, I come from a long line of strong women who are very inclusive and like build the table for 150 because that's who we are. Yeah. And so I look at me, you know, I'm a 52. So I'm like, it's my mom's 76. Like, look at all those years. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, there's so many years ahead of us. And so, I mean, it's, my mission is just to empower women to do whatever the hell they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I really wish I could interview my mother. Unfortunately, she passed when she was exactly my age. So that's like oh, also so sorry. lit a fire under me because I'm like, she didn't know she was going to die at 56. Like I got this whole other life ahead of me. But what I am doing is interviewing my daughter because she has had a front row seat <laughs> to from the, you know, the beginning of the collapse of my life all the way through. Right. And having a conversation with her about how it shifted her perspective on how she sees herself when she gets to this point in her life is like, we, we've had some amazing conversations. So I keep saying to her, okay, we can't have this now because it needs to be real for the podcast. Right. So uh, yeah. Yeah. So cool. So I know you touched on this and you and I could keep going on this for days. Forever. Not subject to Forever. that. What, I mean, you talked about some of the advice that you would give women. If there was one thing that you would say was like most instrumental in, you know, you being able to navigate the shift that you did, is there one piece of advice or two pieces of advice that you would add to what you've already said? I would say, first of all, know that you're worth it. Mm. And it's not selfish to put yourself first. Because if you can get into that mindset of putting yourself first, what happens is that you're actually putting everybody else first too. And so a lot of us out there have kids. And so if I'm sitting there suffering and not doing what I want to do, and I'm just like this depressed human who's not realizing my full potential, that's what I'm showing to my kids. Yeah. So instead, my kids are saying, mom's going for it. And I actually involved my kids in the business. So that mom's happy, mom's going for it. She's working hard. She's so excited to wake up every day and do what she's doing. What a gift for my kids. And my son, you know, he jokes and he's like, mom, cringe, 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 cringe. I'm like, because he's almost 17. But, you know, his future wife can thank me later because <laughs> I'm priming him too. And then my husband sees it as well. He sees I'm happy. So it has it when there's an empowered woman. And it's, again, it's whatever you want to do and just owning it and not 
apologizing for it, not going, I'm just to this or I'm just to that. It's like, yeah, I'm this and this is who I am and stepping into that power. It has a ripple effect on your kids, your merit, your partners, your friends. And I'm seeing just sort of in this community that I'm in now that a lot of women are rising and I'm seeing this happen because, you know, and there's a lot of women going through divorces. I was just talking to somebody this morning and she was like, you know, I just decided I'm going for it and I'm not going to lose. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm a single mom. I'm going for it. And she's like, I have five new listings. She's in real estate. I'm like, go girl. So it has this ripple effect. So if it's just, I think we'll change the world one empowered woman at a time. So it's really just believe in yourself, trust yourself. And it's not selfish to put yourself first. It's that the old air mask thing. If you're happy and doing what you love, it's going to have a ripple effect. And maybe you start a business. You're going to hire more women. I have tons of women on my team. Yeah. And then I'm showing that to my kids. And then the second piece of advice, and I touched on this before, is taking that time for yourself. Oh, so true. This has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for talking about taking radical responsibility for your life. I think we touched on some great subjects. So to the listeners, I hope you got something from this. I mean, like I said, Jen and I could continue talking all day, but I think there's so much value in us sharing our experiences and really giving ourselves permission to just like own exactly who we are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and take it and run with it. Like, be you, do you, How be empowered, however, whatever it takes to make you feel empowered. Go do that. Exactly. So, yeah. So thank you, Jen. And listeners, if you like this podcast, if you love what you heard, we would love it if you would leave a rating and a review, or more importantly, even share it with a friend so that we can get more women on this chasing your dreams and midlife train. So thank you, everybody. And until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.